it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Now, from the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. Guy has the day off, and he will be back on Monday. Harry Hurley with Team Christine. Christine, Wyatt, and Dan, welcome the Guy Benson Show, and we begin we begin this very busy news day with a Fox News alert. For 20 consequential minutes today, the President of the United States, I have to say that when a bad performing Democrat is failing, what they typically do is change the subject. I believe it's an act of conflation, but in fairness, the President did say he would name the next nominee to the United States Supreme Court before the end of the month of February. Now, of course, there's the weekend, there's Monday, uh, and things are not going well. We'll get into all of it. They're not going well uh, in terms of Russia, Ukraine. I think it's an act of conflation, but I do think you can legitimately say that he's meeting a deadline that he promised. He's meeting a deadline that he telegraphed. I think it is an act of conflation. But I think it, it is you can explain it away. You could feel the way that I just said or you could say, look, he said he was going to do it. He's keeping his word. Don't complain when he keep his, keeps his word. And I will accept anybody who takes that point of view. I just smell a little bit of, wow, this is not going well. And uh, the Fox News poll is out. We'll talk about that later today. And people don't feel very good about what President Biden is doing relative to Russia and Ukraine. So what better way? than to change the subject. And look, we have a a lot of experience seeing people do this. But let's call it as straight news. It is significant because let's put it in perspective. When you look at things like this, the position of associate justice to the United States Supreme Court, it, it is an extraordinary thing. Since the formation of the United States Supreme Court, which was the year 1790, If you're getting out your abacus or calculator, it's 230 years of American experience, if you will, with this position. There have only been 17 chief justices. Think about that. There have been 45 presidents. I know you think there's 46, but one served two non-consecutive terms. It's a great trivia question if you want to win a pizza or some kind of small wager. Say, how many presidents have there been? And... 99 out of 100 people will say 46 because you think Trump was 45. Always remember 45 because Maxine Waters, impeach 45, impeach 45. So you remember 45 and Biden's 46. But how many presidents have there been? 45. There have only been 17 chief justices of the United States Supreme Court. John Roberts, currently the 17th in American history. There have only been 103 associate justices, and today you will hear from the 104th if she can be confirmed. She was the one that in advance I had picked. It wasn't a bold prediction because she was always in the top probably two, no worse than top three, and she got it. 
Uh, and let's hear from Dan, the president, uh, on this, because it is it, for a president. Some don't even get one nominee, one nomination to the Supreme Court. It is a very consequential moment, and we should share it up front on The Guy Benson Show. Dan, cut 34. Today, uh, as we watch freedom and liberty under attack abroad, I'm here to fulfill my responsibilities under the Constitution to preserve freedom and liberty here in the United States of America. And it's my honor to introduce to the country a daughter of former public school teachers, a proven consensus builder, an accomplished lawyer, a distinguished jurist, one of the nation's most on one of the nation's most prestigious courts. My nominee for the United States Supreme Court is Judge Katanji Jackson. And there you have it. And with that announcement, if she can garner 50 votes, because clearly the vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, will break the tie. She will become the 104th justice. She will take the seat of Justice Breyer when he officially retires. A lot of pressure, even though they, he said it wasn't. There was a lot of pressure brought to bear so that the Democrats did not do what they did with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And that's miss an opportunity. These opportunities, when you talk about the significance of the United States Supreme Court and really how activist it's really become. It's it's the court of last resort. And you win there. You win. You win with all the toys. Let's hear from the nominee. Cut 35, Dan. Thank you very much, Mr. President. I am truly humbled by the extraordinary honor of this nomination. And I am especially grateful for the care that you have taken in discharging your constitutional duty in service of our democracy with all that is going on in the world today. I also offer my sincerest thanks to you as well, Madam Vice President, for your invaluable role in this nomination process. That might be one of the first times that you have heard from Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson and I do believe she uses all three names. I don't know if if President Biden left the middle name out on purpose. I'm not going to make a scandal out of that. But I have never heard Judge Katanji Brown Jackson be referred to as Judge Katanji Brown. She will be the first African-American woman to sit on the Supreme Court. I believe she will be confirmed. And And listen, I believe she should be confirmed because my belief is we elect a president. And many times when you look at executive and legislative branches, presidents propose, legislatures dispose. The president proposes. And if there is nothing disqualifying and, and disqualifying shouldn't be litmus tests. I think this came up for a brief moment on Guy's program yesterday. And if not, it was the day before. But I know it's been within the last two programs. It came came up the, the topic of whatever happened to somebody who's qualified, and even if that's not a, a nominee, a candidate that you would put up, if they're qualified, you vote for them. How did Antonin Scalia, nominated by President Ronald Reagan, served until not all that long ago, until he tragically passed away while on vacation? Suddenly, no one, no one had expected it. In his sleep, gone. He got 99 votes. I believe it was 99 to zero. It probably would have been the full hundred 
somebody was missing. I don't know if a senator was not in office at the time or just not there. It's very unusual to not cast a vote for something as consequential as a, an associate justice to the United States Supreme Court. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, if I'm not mistaken, I believe she was confirmed somewhere and she was nominated. She was nominated by President Bill Clinton. She was confirmed, I believe, by a margin of 93 to 7, something like that. Breyer was 89 or something like that. Now we see these Vulcan death matches, barely 51 or close to it. Brett Kavanaugh, I think, got 52, 48, something like that. A lot of, you know, consternation during all that. That was very, very sad chapter. He didn't deserve all that. I believe Neil Gorsuch got somewhere in the neighborhood of 55, something like that. I don't know what happened and why we got the way that we've gotten. And I do remember the the Point and Guys program was with uh, Annie McCarthy. And I posed the question, could we ever go back to where it was? And his answer, and he, he didn't have to think about it, came right out with it. No, I don't think so. He thinks this is the way that it is. We're hyper-partisan. I bring up the, the fact that it's very tribal in nature, and it's just the way that it is. All right, so congratulations to the nominee. It's not a nominee that I would pick, but she is absolutely qualified And I think she'll probably wind up getting maybe like Lindsey Graham and a handful of other people that will say, look, this is not someone that I would nominate, but she's absolutely qualified. And you should in uh, in those circumstances, you should you should vote for someone. It's not going to go that way. This will be mostly Democrats and a handful of Republicans. Uh, Maybe there'll be a few more than we've seen in the past. I would kind of like to see that. And I know that Republicans would then say, well, they don't do it on their side. They all stick together. Well, that doesn't make them right. What's the expression when you were a child? Two wrongs don't make a right. So I I think that she might get five Republican votes, maybe even a little bit more. I'll I'll make a prediction. I like making predictions on Guy's show. Five to ten. And ten would be surprising. But I'd, I'd actually be pleased. And, and look, she's going to be on the court for a long time. And her philosophy of governance is very left of center. But elections have consequences and they matter. Let's pivot. We're going to start. We, we're going to have a whole lot more. But let's pivot to an update on where we stand right now in terms of Russia, Ukraine. We'll call it day two. I will tell you if you missed it, Fox News contributor General Jack Keane And he's got the right last name because the man has a keen sense of exactly what's going on and how to present it in a way that is impactful, that is intellectually honest. And I will tell you, if you didn't hear it, he is not impressed with Putin. He is not impressed with the Russian military. He said that it's it's surprising, even shocking how ineffective they've been. At the point that he was commentating, and it was several hours ago, he talked about how many missiles they had fired, which was, I think, at that time in the neighborhood of about 160. He said if this was an American response or provocation, 
that it would have been a thousand. He said he was not impressed with their inability. Now they did get the one of the airports after uh, General Keene spoke, but he said he was not impressed how they were not able to take and commandeer the airports. Because look, if you take the airports, the landing strips, and you can land where you want to take over, it, it's very menacing and very effective. And he said he was very impressed that the Ukrainians had taken out, I think at the time, 1,900 Russian soldiers. And I'm telling you, there's a whole lot that we're going to unpack. So what we'll do is let's get the break in. And when we come back, uh, Dan has some phenomenal audio. You'll be hearing from the great reporting of Fox News. Let me say before we go into the break, Trey Yinkst, Lucas Tomlinson, Mike Tobin, Steve Harrigan. These are the best in the business. They are flat out impressive war correspondents. I mean, they are ice water going through their veins while the sounds of explosions and all kinds of things are going on. Speaking of courage, a profile in courage, we haven't mentioned this once this week. Vladimir Zelensky went from comedian. How many in the Guy Benson universe remember that or knew it in the first place? From comedian to commander in chief. And he said some things in the last 12 hours that are that will move you and, and, and they will stir you to your core. And then you will hear from a gentle lady in the next segment pleading to the world. If you want to know and capture what is going on right now in Ukraine, how are they coping, how are they feeling, you're going to hear it on The Guy Benson Show. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Please don't go away. This is The Guy Benson Show. Guy Benson will be right back. Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. Guy will be back on Monday, so you can imagine he's going to be ready to go to offer his smart, fast-paced political and cultural insights. It's going to be a great program on Monday. We're filling in today with Christine White and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley. Honored to be here and to spend time with this amazing team. What a week it's been. What a consequential week it has been uh, in American history. And, and obviously this is the most, I don't know how many people have been saying it, but I know Fox News has been saying it. This is the most significant war attack since World War II. Think about that. You're talking about the 1940s. So it is extraordinary what's going on right now. And Putin is in rare form. I mean, he came out now each day, you know, each day this week on The Guy Benson Show, there has been a new thing that he has said to blame Zelensky, to blame Ukraine. The newest one is saying that Zelensky needs Nazification. And of course, what a what a absurd thing to say Vladimir Zelensky is Jewish and Putin is calling him a Nazi this is how completely unhinged he is everything he is saying is oppositeville 
It's it's the rules for radicals. You just say what is true about you and you tag your opponent with it. Here's um, some very uh, – I, I just don't know how to say it other than some of the most poignant words that you will ever hear and beyond the words, the tone, the angst, the pain. This is Helena Yanchenko. Listen, CBS Media Credit, listen to this. Dan, it's, it's stunning, as you know. It's chilling. Uh, it, it breaks our hearts to hear it, but we need to hear it, and some haven't heard it. Many haven't heard it. Cut four. Please save Ukrainian men, women, and children. I beg you, please save our people. Another dozen of people, and maybe hundreds of people, might be murdered tonight. So if you want to know how are they feeling right now, now you know. Now it's it's more real than just, ah, you hear that bombs are going off and, arm, you know, utility uh, fire and all kinds of explosions and, and machine gun fire and all of this. You hear the angst and the pain of Helena Yachenko. And it really, I think it really hits home what's going on. Let's listen to some of the great reporting from Fox News. Steve Harrigan, cut one, Dan. This could happen very fast. At the beginning of our shift today in the dark, those Russian forces were 20 miles outside of the capital. Now they are inside the capital of Kiev. They're probably about two to six miles from where I'm standing right now in the center. We've heard some small arms fire really for the first time, rifle fire back and forth. So it's getting close, and the fight is close contact as well. Vladimir Zelensky, president of Ukraine, said last night, quote, this might be the last time that you see me alive. This man is a warrior. He is a commander in chief. He's not a comedian. Cut three. According to our information, the enemy marked me as the number one target. My family is the number two target. They want to destroy Ukraine politically by destroying the head of state. There were two world champions in professional boxing, heavyweight champions of the world. Vladimir Klitschko and his brother Vitaly, some call him Vitaly. Vitaly Klitschko is the mayor of Ukraine. We're going to talk about both of them next. Much to do. Gordon Chang coming up after the bottom of the hour break as well. This is The Guy Benson Show. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan. Harry Hurley filling in. Guy will be back on Monday. It is a big news day. If you've missed any of today's program, catch it on Guy's podcast, GuyBensonShow.com. You can follow Guy on social media's handle at Guy P. Benson. And he's on Facebook as well, and you can find him easily. Guy Benson and also the Guy Benson Show on Facebook. He's, he's out there everywhere. So 
you could not have a better guest on The Guy Benson Show to talk about China, to talk about I'm going to get into this China-Russia alliance. It's like Survivor. They have an alliance now, and we're going to talk about that. Of course, we're going to talk about Taiwan. I know that China did something a little bit provocative during what Putin is doing in Ukraine. We'll ask Gordon Chang, what should we read into that? How provocative was that? Uh, what's going on with that? Their little flyby, they did a little Tom Cruise, Top Gun, Buzz the Tower. Uh, joining us on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline is Gordon Chang, an expert on China, author of The Coming Collapse of China. Gordon, welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. It's good to be with you. Oh, thanks so much, Harry. I think you're terrific. So let's get right into this. Let's start. We'll go in chronological order. Day two with this war. How is the American president doing? How do you feel the Western world is doing? How are things going in your estimation? I think that Biden gets about a D minus. Yeah. Um, we've now had a second set of sanctions on Russia, and we can't even sanction Vladimir Putin. We're not sanctioning oil and gas sales. They're still in SWIFT, which is the banking messaging network. These are sanctions which um, Russia can get around. Now, I do realize that freezing bank accounts of the largest Russian banks, that's important. Yeah. But if you don't freeze the bank accounts of the smaller Russian banks, well, Putin is just going to take the money and circulate it through them. He's going to avoid the big banks, and he's going to get everything that he needs. I, I so concur. And our program director sent us a note that the United Kingdom – has introduced sanctions against Putin and Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov already. How embarrassing is it that we're lagging, we're trailing the United Kingdom? I sense something, and I know you watched this, Gordon. The, the media actually did their job. Peter Ducey always does his job, so he got, he got his, his important content in there. But you actually had the Democrat media saying to the president, why don't you sanction Putin today? And then he wouldn't answer it. And she repeated it. I thought it was just the way it reminded me of Sam Donaldson. It reminded me of Peter Ducey. It reminded me of the days where journalists actually did their job. He wouldn't answer the question. What's the yeah, reason? Peter Ducey asked some yeah, great questions yesterday. And, you know, it was also across the political spectrum because everyone recognizes that the administration has completely failed. I mean, Russian armor is in Ukraine, uh, even though Russia is a far weaker country than the United States, because President Biden just failed. I mean, there are so many things that he could have done to stop this from occurring. And now we have the, perhaps the beginning of global conflict. Uh, this is like we lost Afghanistan. We're losing Ukraine. What's next? Uh, this is such a serious situation. Do you do you think now I, I want to say that probably Putin most likely was doing this regardless. But what role do you think the feckless withdrawal of Afghanistan, where the president in, in the most bizarre order in the history of the American military took the military out first, left Americans there trapped, left all those billions of dollars worth of weapons and so on, vehicles, planes, airplanes, so uh, helicopters, all of it. I mean, who does that? To quote a friend of mine who ran for governor of my state, who does that? And we're and they're watching when this happens. That at least had to register on the scale somewhere. 
Well, it certainly did, and we don't have to speculate because we can read Chinese media that talked about the incapability of the United States, that we couldn't win wars anymore. They then talked about invading Taiwan. And this gave Beijing, I think, the encouragement to uh, financially support Vladimir Putin. Putin went to Beijing on February 4th. He got his announcement of this no-limits partnership with an alliance closer than the uh, NATO, and he got $117.5 billion in new oil and gas sales. And then, of course, you have the 100 million metric tons of coal that they just announced they were selling to uh, China, which means that the Chinese are financing the attack on Ukraine, and Biden is not doing anything about the Ru- – he's doing very little about the Russians, and he's doing nothing nothing about China's financial support. Let's talk about this China-Russia alliance, almost like best buddies now. How significant it's it's you're the expert. So I, I'll ask you, there is an alliance. You, you tell me if I'm right or wrong. I think there is. I think clearly there is. And how, if there is, how significant is this? Well, it's extremely significant. Doesn't No one needs to be an expert to figure out that uh, because of these two countries, two regimes working together, um, Vladimir Putin has now got his armor within, what, a couple hours of Kiev. Um, so really, it's a big story in the sense that we can see that one failure has led to another and that Russia and China now think that they can operate And they don't have to worry about the United States, which, by the way, Harry, is much stronger than Russia. It's much stronger than China. It's much stronger than Russia and China combined. But because of a failure of will, a failure of policy in Washington, we're one of the weakest countries in the world. Shocking. Shocking to hear those words. Almost sounds bizarre. Gordon Chang on the Guy Benson Show, Newsmaker Hotline, the author. It's a a primer. Very important uh, piece of literary work. The coming collapse of China. I hope so, uh, because they think they're going to take the number one spot. Uh, and in some respects, they think they already are number one. China buzzed Taiwan in about the last 48 hours or so. Gordon, what should we make of that? Well, that came right on the heels of the invasion of Ukraine. So clearly there's no coincidence. But also on February 5, China flew a Y-12 utility plane directly over a Taiwan island at low altitude, testing air defenses. Um, China hadn't done something like that for more than four decades. This was not flying in the air defense identification zone, which is a hostile act, but which is through international airspace. This was flying through Taiwan's sovereign airspace. This is an act of war. And it's, I think, an indication that uh, China doesn't really respect anybody anymore. This, by the way, was during the Olympic truce that Beijing had declared because they were hosting the Winter Games. This shows you just how strong China feels at the moment. How likely, in your estimation, Gordon Chang, is it that China will make a move for Taiwan in light of this current atmosphere? The odds of that happening have dramatically increased. Two weeks ago, um, I could tell you there were a lot of powerful reasons why Xi Jinping, the Chinese ruler, would not invade Taiwan. But what we have uh, witnessed over the last couple days is that all the assumptions that we have about the way the world works, about how countries react, now has gone out the window. And we also know that inside China, there are some incentives for Xi Jinping to make a move on Taiwan soon. 
So I can't say that it will happen, but I can say the odds have gone up. And that's because um, Biden is not deterring the Chinese. He's not deterring the Russians. He's not deterring anyone right now. The American homeland is at risk. It's not just Ukraine. It's the American homeland as well. On the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline is Gordon Chang. Gordon, in terms of what Russia wants to accomplish, Putin is telling the world he's not hiding anything. He's going in there. He's going to take their government down. He, I don't know what he's going to do with them, if he's going to allow them to, to have some safe haven and leave or what's going to ultimately happen. I just don't – it's as stoic – as courageous. I mean, I mentioned the Klitschko brothers want to fight. The mayor, as you know, Vitaly Klitschko, mayor since 2014, uh, wants to fight. Uh, Vladimir, his brother, I think they're twins. He wants to fight. Uh, And I mean, these are brave people. Uh, As you know, uh, President uh, Zelensky said, this may be the last time you see me. He talked about being number one on what Russia wants to either take him out or literally take him down or take him out. Uh, so they're going to change the government. What what goes from there? Is Putin satisfied or is this literally he actually does think that he can put the Soviet Union back together piece by piece? Yeah, he's told us um, that's what he wants to do. So we have to assume that he's going to annex all of Ukraine. And he's not going to stop at Ukraine because there are a lot of other parts of the former Soviet Union, which are now separate sovereign states, including the three Baltic ones. And so um, at one point or another, he's going to move against NATO members, those three Baltic states. He can go against Poland, which was not part of Russia, but which was in the Warsaw Pact. Um, There is nothing that is off the table. Um, So let me, Gordon, Gordon, what you just said. I knew I I knew you were going to say it. I knew you were going to say it. And if Putin goes as far as to invade a NATO nation, then we're talking about the treaty. We're talking about when one is attacked, all are attacked. If he attacks Poland, are we in World War Three? Yes, um, because then the Chinese are going to realize that we have to devote our military assets to Europe and that leaves Asia bare. Now, there are other countries in Asia that will come to Taiwan's defense, I believe. But nonetheless, um, we can see conflict at both ends of the Eurasian landmass. And it's not just China and Russia, Harry. It's their proxies. So we're Mm. talking about North Korea, um, Iran, Pakistan, possibly Algeria. This doesn't stop at Ukraine. Gordon, in terms of where where when you get off to a bad start, obviously the American president was weak and did too little too late and Putin didn't show respect. This much, I think, is, again, something we can almost say as a fact, even though some would say it's just an opinion uh, comment. But we know what um, Putin did in 2008. We know what he did in 2014 when he attacked Ukraine and annexed Crimea. We know what he didn't do for four years when my former boss, President Trump, was the president of the United States. And we know what he did five minutes after President Trump wasn't president. He got ready to do what he's doing now. So I think we know that Putin at least respected, if not feared, Trump. And friends of mine have told me that Trump told him, Mano, that if you attack Ukraine, 
that were blowing things up, and he told them what they were going to be blowing up, all those beautiful uh, multicolored, pastel-colored spheres and all these things. Putin didn't look twice at Ukraine for four years. Gordon, are you in my camp? This cannot be a coincidence that he invades when it's Obama-Biden and then it's Biden 2.0, and he does not do this when Trump is in there. I think it's a fact, not an opinion. Yeah, it is no coincidence. And yes, it's a fact. During four years of President Trump, you know, Ukraine was not at risk. You know, when Trump left the office, we were energy independent. We were the world's hydrocarbon superpower. We were exporting oil and gas. And that hurt Putin because oil, and ga- oil for instance, was at $40 a barrel. Now it's, it's uh, had actually pierced 100 yeah. And, and that enriches Putin. And that means that he can use energy as a weapon against Europe. And that means all sorts of things, including the fact that the United States still imports about 30 percent now of its oil from Russia, where we didn't yeah. import any at all when e- Trump left office. Exactly. And we did. We topped Brent rose above one hundred and five dollars a barrel. That's for the first time since 2014 as well. It's amazing how these years when you take out all the tribal politics and all of that stuff, all the smoke, all the mirrors, and look at what happens in certain years. It's really, it's stunning. I mean, you said it. We were energy independent and a net oil exporter when President Trump left the presidency. Now we're begging Russia and we're begging OPEC. We're begging people that hate us to generously open the spigots. And oh, by the way, Gordon Chang, we also uh, shut down our own pipeline, Keystone XL pipeline, as you know, we shut down other oil refinery capacity, took away the ability to drill on federal lands, and Biden gave Putin two pipelines. And we have only about a minute, but how, how do we explain this madness? You can't explain this madness. And it gets even worse when John Kerry yesterday called on Putin not to stop cooperation on climate change. This is just ludicrous, Harry. Ludicrous. Yeah, and Schiff did the same thing. Maria Donovan from Fox News, our program director, pointed that out yesterday to us all. Schiff was, that was his uh, doctrine, climate change. Yeah, they are so out of control. Gordon, you are a treasure. Um, Great to visit with you. Keep up your great work. We need you. Thanks so much, Sherry. You're welcome, sir. Good to be with you. We will be back in just a little bit. You can see, we promised it's a big news day on The Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk, Guy Benson Show. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley with Christine Wyatt and Dan filling in. Guy will be back on Monday, and you can imagine he is going to be just ready to go and can't wait to talk to you. Now, this is from the Guy Benson Show, Truth is Stranger Than Fiction Department, because the Kremlin has an official Twitter account as we speak. Vladimir Putin has a Facebook account. Social media at a time where a menacing war criminal is attacking, invading a sovereign nation, a democracy. He gets to put propaganda on social media. Meanwhile, President Trump is banned, and many Americans are banned. Many Americans are banned for telling the truth. They told the truth about masks. They told things that are now accepted as truth. 
They told the truth about the Wuhan Institute of Virology as they believed it, as they knew it. They were taken down and either completely silenced, suspended, or deplatformed. But the Kremlin's official Twitter account, with 1.2 million followers, there's a Russian Ministry of Foreign Affairs that posted 20 tweets since the war. How are we allowing? These are, I've been saying it for a long time, these social media, they are oligarchs. And look who they're choosing. And Putin isn't the only menacing figure. North Korea, China, they're all free and clear on social media. But the former, the media past American president and many, many others are not. If you told the truth about Hunter Biden, you were silenced. There were many, many issues. If you told the truth about, you were silenced. For example, look at this post on the day that Putin invaded a sovereign nation, Ukraine. He called it Defender of the Fatherland Day. He declared he, he, he is conducting an illegal war, and he calls it the Defender of the Fatherland Day. One of the other official tweets was accusing Ukraine of being the aggressor. Quote, to this end, we will seek to demilitarize and denazify Ukraine, bring to trial those who perpetrated bloody crimes versus civilians. None of that is happening. Ukraine is sovereign. They don't want this. This is complete propaganda and a complete illegal act of aggression. We will be back, and when we come back, Carrie Severino, president of Judicial Crisis Network, on The Guy Benson Show. Live from the most powerful city in the world, unconventional talk from a fresh, unconventional conservative, Guy Benson Show. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley, filling in today for Guy. He will be back on Monday, so you will have Guy's smart, fast-paced political and cultural insights about all of these incredible events because it has been just an exceptional, extraordinary week uh, here on the Guy Benson Show. On the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline, and I will tell you, I absolutely adore her former boss, Carrie Severino is the president of Judicial Crisis Network and a former clerk to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. And ladies and gentlemen, in the Guy Benson Show universe, did George H.W. Bush get it right? I believe Clarence Thomas, and it's a shame, I mean, they, they, they want to put a monument up for him, and he actually has opposition. It's, it's just unbelievable. Uh, the, the abuse, the harassment, his whole confirmation process, I mean, what a dignified man and, and I, I do want to talk about today's events because obviously it couldn't be more timely and it's perfect to have Carrie here with her pedigree because two hours ago, President Biden nominated Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson to be the 104th Associate Justice in American history. She is confirmable. She will be confirmed. I think she'll get at least a handful of Republican votes. I think it should actually be more, even though I would not nominate uh, this candidate. The candidate is qualified. She was recently, less than 10 months ago, uh, confirmed by the United States Senate 
for her position on the United States Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit. And she received, I'm trying to remember, 53 votes, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and the entire Senate did not vote that day. 5344-ish, something like that. So I want to say in this um, split decision, 50-50 nation that we live in and a split Senate, uh, getting 53, that's one more than Kavanaugh. Of course, that was a lower court, but it was yet a high court. Uh, Carrie, you are on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline, and we welcome you to the program. Hi there. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well, and I do want to comment about your former boss because I think he, I know, I don't think, I know. he Has he not been, and you can speak to this because you know him, you worked with him. I'm sure he's the kind of guy that you don't work for. He says you work with him. I'm just, just guessing that. You know, some people say you uh, people work for me, and then I think good men say I work with people. But um, Justice, Associate Justice Clarence Thomas, to me, is a prototype, outstanding Supreme Court justice, isn't he? Oh my gosh! Well, I, 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 you're you're asking the complete cheering squad here for uh, for Justice I, I Thomas. Understand. But it can still be the, the truth. most amazing boss you can imagine, and uh, you know we 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 have a, a lot of respect for him. So I would still say I work for him, but he really treats his clerks like family. He calls them his, you're his kids, and uh, it, it, you never once you once you have worked for Justice Thomas, you're you're sort of always part of that. Uh, that family, the, the Thomas Clerk family, and that's a, a huge uh, blessing because he, he – some justices, you know, they'll have every five years, they'll have a reunion, maybe even every year uh, Justice uh, Kavanaugh gets together with his clerks. Um, Justice Thomas, when he when the court is in session, he'll have lunch with us every month. I mean, this guy is really dedicated to staying connected, making sure his clerks are connected with each other, just, you know, top-notch. Carrie, is there anything to what we hear from time to time that there was a period where he was thinking about retiring? I don't think he would do it now with Biden and and a Democratic Senate. He's just too good a man. I don't think he would do that. But was there anything to those things that we would hear that he was maybe thinking of retiring? Oh, no, absolutely never. (laughs) Never was. Every time I heard that, I was like, Someone doesn't have good information because you know he he loves the job he's doing and I, I, he said once they made they made my life miserable for forty three years now it's my turn to make their life miserable for forty three years he was forty three when he was nominated to the Supreme Court so he's got till he's eighty six and he's only in his seventies so oh this is I'm so happy because you know we hear all these things and you're somebody that you're in the know I mean you know him so let's talk about today's. Um, announcement. It's it's an exciting day. As I mentioned in my introduction of you and introduction of the topic, in since 1790, 230 years, only 103 people have ever been a justice of the Supreme Court. Only 17 people have ever been a chief justice. Uh, This is rarefied stuff when you consider that in 230 years, a handful of people. So it doesn't get any bigger than this. Uh, What are your thoughts about who the president has nominated? And let me give you some time to talk about that. Yeah. So, I mean, it it definitely is. It's always a historic um, occasion when there's a new Supreme Court justice. And this is really one of the um, I think people are starting in, in recent years to recognize how significant this is in terms of decisions the president makes. It's one of the most significant decisions he uh, does make, although, boy, we're, we're seeing the significant uh, you know, fallout from a lot of Biden's decisions lately. But um, you know, this is someone who's going to sit on the Supreme Court for a generation. 
So when you think that justices are now regularly serving into their 80s, and um, we're talking about someone who's just in her 50s, so this is uh, this is a long-term uh, impact on the country, and this is so one of the people who's going to be interpreting the Constitution of the United States and, and really have the final say on how that is interpreted. It's hard to imagine a higher stakes appointment uh, than that. You know, the president, he's only here for four years, eight years. He he leaves. You know, his laws then get interpreted by that Supreme Court. So you right. can pass whatever laws you want, but the court interprets them. You can pass whatever executive orders you want. Those might be out day one of the next president. This person will be here for decades. That's what makes me so concerned in this case because, unfortunately, what we've seen from Biden is he, he campaigned as a moderate. He likes to talk this game of how he's – as you said, it's a 50-50 country right now. Yeah. But he is governing from the hard left, and especially when it comes to his judicial nomination. He has been absolutely just immediately responsive to the interests of the deep pockets of the dark money left on this question. They donated hundreds of millions of dollars for Democrat campaigns last fall, including the president. And this is this was their pick. They're like, we want we want her specifically. Um, and they were they were running ads trying to get get Biden to, or get uh, Breyer to retire. And then they were saying, this is the specific person we want. So instead of trying to find someone who was truly, you know, down the middle, he, he went straight for, you know, responding to that same interest group. She's someone who has a record of having been uh, overturned by her now colleagues in the D.C. Circuit. She used to be a district judge in the same area. So uh, being overturned by some of the most liberal judges on that court, for making decisions in many cases against the Trump administration sure. that they ultimately said she doesn't actually have even the authority to make this decision. This is something that, you know, in one case, the Department of Homeland Security had absolute authority there. She doesn't get to second guess that. So it's things like that where she's reaching beyond her uh, jurisdiction to decide these cases. It makes me very concerned that this is someone who's going to be using their their role in a political way, yeah, yeah, especially like when yeah. – yeah, so she's coming in without without a judicial philosophy that that helps you anchor you to not do that. Yeah, she's coming in as a Democrat activist. Uh, that's the concern, and that's why the activists are the, are the ones pushing. She's she's the choice of the activists. I want to so squeeze something in real quick because there's so many things I want to ask you that I don't want to spend much time on this. I thought that Justice Breyer was treated terribly. I think the leak came out of the White House. Mm-hmm. I thought he was treated so shabbily. These these awful, rotten, hard left socialist Democrats that had buses with his name on it. They chased yeah. him out. They, they treated this man inhuman. It was awful. Uh, so I squeezed that in just for fun, uh, but I meant it. Now, with, with um, the way that this process goes, Republicans don't play like Democrats. Kamala Harris, the, the filthy conduct that she displayed with Kavanaugh uh, and other Democrats that, that treated him so shabbily, no one, no one will treat on the Republican side, Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson during the confirmation, the way that Brett Kavanaugh was treated, the way that Clarence Thomas was treated. Uh, mm-hmm. It just won't happen. I, I just We're just getting to know each other, Carrie, but I'm sure you agree with me on that point. A hundred percent. And just just as a reminder, can we remember who it was that was chairing the Judiciary Committee when Justice Thomas was nominated and was running those Joe hearings that him so shabbily? That was Joe Biden, yeah. right? But, but I, I don't think anyone of any party should go there. And unfortunately, the Democrats have done so many times. But 
But I think we, we have to make sure that we're having a, a vigorous debate about this confirmation, but it can never descend to the politics of this personal destruction and the smear campaign. Yeah. That's how they get away. Carrie, that's her, how they get away with ideas. it. Yeah, they know they can't stop you. So they wanted to ruin Brett Kavanaugh and make him mm-hmm. you know, ineffective by by just trying to destroy him. Uh, they didn't get away with it, but it was it was something we should never see again. And Republicans won't do that. They might talk about some of her decisions. Uh, and of course, if you ever treated her like Kavanaugh was treated, you would be a racist. They would be you would be absolutely just demolished uh, for anything like that. So she's going to have, I think, a very easy way to go. I don't know that she's going to get more than fifty five. Uh, my guess is somewhere between 50 and 55. Uh, I'm not sure if the one senator on the Democrat side that was in the hospital is even ready to vote yet. That could be a problem. They're going to need a Republican, I think, possibly. But I think she will be confirmed. And let me ask you a question that I posed to Andy McCarthy yesterday. I said, Andy, is this a conservative court at all? I mean, the the Democrat media says 6-3 conservative court. I think I can make the case that it's either 5-4 or 4-4 in Brett Kavanaugh. I think Justice Roberts, uh, yeah, Chief Justice Roberts, I believe he's now uh, almost with the liberal wing of the court. Uh, how you, you have a lot of knowledge in this area. Is it accurate to call this a 6-3 court, or am I closer to it in more of a 5-4, even a split decision, with Kavanaugh sort of being the new Anthony Kennedy? Well, I think... That's still working itself out. I think I think it's a, at least a 5-4 court, and I think it's going to depend on the case. Unfortunately, we have seen the chief justice um, in a lot of cases make what, what appeared from the outside. I mean, we obviously can't tell what his what his internal you know logic and debates are like, but they look like very political decisions because it looks like decisions being made to appease the uh, the public, the press in particular, and uh, rather than actually to look at the Constitution and say, what's this? Decision. So I think I think that's uh, that's discouraging, and that means that in a lot of cases, when you get that public pressure, because it's not just during the campaign process; it's coming from these, this intimidation campaign in the media all the time. Yes. And unfortunately, he seems to be susceptible to that. So that sometimes, rather than what should be a six-three court, which a, court, a judge who should be uh, able to recognize what the correct constitutional outcome is, yes. I feel like sometimes it, he, he, he kind of blinks. All right, carry, carry. I'm not a political strategist, but I'm going to play one on the Guy Benson show. Here's what I would do if I had power in this whole process that's going to unfold. The November 8th election is fast approaching. It's going to be a wave election. I, there, it's Without doubt, Republicans will win back the House. It's very likely, although they're defending more seats, that the Republicans will win back the Senate. You can't stop this nomination from prevailing, in my opinion. I think the worst-case scenario is not even 50-50 with Vice President Harris breaking the tie. I think there's actually going to be a a Republican or two or so. So I think that it's going to be not a a huge vote for Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson, but that she's got the votes to dust up some kind of ugly campaign like the Democrats did I think poisons the well. I'm not and I'm not I'm a fighter. I'm a lover and a fighter. But I think that this is so teed up to win in November that an unnecessary fight that can't be won. I think what they should do, they should be aggressive, but really uh, professional 
and get, you know, get marks in there for bad decisions and overreach and making decisions outside the realm, you know, of, of judicial authority and all those things. Get it all out there, but don't go postal. Don't don't go nuclear. What do you think of my strategy? Uh, well, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, here's the here's the thing. It's a 50-50 Senate. Even if every single Republican votes against her, she will be confirmed. Yes. So that makes it that that, that makes it very difficult. I, on the other hand, I don't think some people are saying, well, just, you know, whatever, vote for her and move on. I don't think that's right. I think this is an opportunity to talk about the importance of judicial philosophy, yep. to highlight. They, should, they don't get a pass. I agree. So you can nominate any, any activist you want. So let's talk about it. Let's have that debate. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, th- this, elections have consequences. And this is kind of a good reminder to everyone. It's not just the presidential elections yeah. that have consequences. We're, it's the senatorial election. And, Carrie, and we're, you, we're at a hard break. Senate, yeah, we're at a hard break, so we have to go. But I agree with you completely. And I agree. Aggressive questions, total professional, not asking where you were when you were 17 and did you drink alcohol and what did you do and did you go to a party? I mean, all that stupid stuff. Uh, I think really hurt the Democrats very badly. So I agree with you. Tough questions, but stay away from anything that could then cause injury to the Republicans when it shouldn't be that way. Carrie, it's great to visit with you. Keep up the, the, the work that you do. And it's nice to present you today on Guy's program. Take good care. Great talking to you. Great talking to you. Very smart. Former Clarence Thomas law clerk. We'll be back in just a bit. It's the Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. Filling in today for Guy, yours truly, Harry Hurley, with Christine Wyatt and Dan. Guy will be back on Monday, and you know he's going to be ready to go. My gosh, he'll he'll have so much content, important content to share with you, insight and perspective. Uh, as only Guy can do on the Guy Benson Show. You can follow Guy on Twitter, Guy P. Benson. Guy Benson Show is his handle as well. And he's on Facebook, Guy Benson and Guy Benson Show and GuyBensonShow.com. And a lot of the content of this program, the team does an excellent job uh, culling and cultivating their content. And if you miss anything, you don't have to miss it. You can check it out on demand on the podcast. And there's been a lot of information today that I think if you've missed any of today's program, uh, go back and check it out. We cannot confirm this, but the reporting of Fox News, and they were the first that I saw, uh, even with this amount of uh, information on the CDC, the CDC is poised to ease the pandemic mass guidelines. We're going to be visiting shortly, a few minutes after the bottom of the hour break, with the governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy, and he is re- he is relaxing masks uh, in the next week or so, March 7th to be specific. We'll be talking to him about it. And you see uh, California, you see almost everywhere. Uh, and the Biden administration itself has pivoted to because he talked about how we were going to defeat. I don't know why he ever said that. There's never been a coronavirus in history. The common cold is a coronavirus. It's never been cured. You have therapies, you treat. There's never been a coronavirus ever cured. I don't know why he said that he was going to cure it. It was ridiculous. It was complete. I think he had to know how dishonest that was. So now he has to say that we're pivoting to a different stage. They're not using the term endemic, but they should. 
Because when you go from pandemic to endemic, and we did this 1918 till about 1920 and maybe a half, it was pandemic. And then we had the roaring 20s. And you learn to live with it. And you learn to protect the ones that are the most vulnerable. You, you don't do to 300 plus million what they need, what they don't need. You do what those who need and you take care of them. So we cannot confirm that, and it could be before 5 o'clock tonight. I mean, that was what you would expect. We might hear it during the Guy Benson show that, indeed, this has been uh, changed. But if not now, very, very soon they're going to change it. Coming up in just a little bit, stay close. Governor Phil Murphy of New Jersey, live on the Guy Benson show. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley with Christine Wyatt and Dan. Guy will be back on Monday. Thanks for spending this portion of your day here with the Guy Benson Show. It's been very, very big news day on the program. And in less than five minutes, we'll be joined by the governor of the state of New Jersey. And he's doing something. It's 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 a big deal because he's been um, very conservative. I'll use the word conservative. Uh, Some would say, well, no, he's being liberal. He's been very conservative about making decisions about taking masks off. And a lot of the mile markers along the two-year pandemic, uh, Governor Murphy was deliberate, and some got frustrated and thought that he took too long, but he always announced when he would be doing something, and when he said he would do it, he did it. And something is coming up big on March 7th. We'll save that uh, for Governor Murphy coming up uh, in just a few minutes. The few minutes that we have before Governor Murphy's arrival, I want to talk about the Klitschko brothers, Vladimir and Vitaly Klitschko, two world champion heavyweight boxers, and their home is Ukraine. And Vitaly Klitschko is, since 2014, mayor. They love their country. They are coming out strong and they they are ready to take up arms and they are ready to fight just like their president, Vladimir Zelensky. Dan, let's give folks a little bit of a flavor for what the Klitschko brothers are talking about. This is Vladimir Klitschko, Vitaly's brother, cut 31. I'm calling to all international partners to observe this strategy that is happening nowadays in Ukraine and this senseless war which is not going to have any winners but losers. I just want to tell you we must stay united against this aggression, against Russian aggression. Don't let it happen, continue happening in Ukraine, don't let it happening in Europe and eventually in the world. United, we're strong. Support Ukraine. Thank you. And you know, when you hear them talk, and Vitaly has been very outspoken as well, that was Vladimir, uh, and thank you, Dan. They, they're warriors. They're fighters. They're prize fighters. So anyone that's ever been around the ring that understands the training that goes into it and the actual wars that you go through, in the ring. It's very much. It's, it's, I think if you talk to a prize fighter, 
and you talk to someone like the Klitschko brothers now in facing a time of war, time of invasion, a time of attack, and that they're ready to fight and to take up arms. I think it's very relatable, uh, the pugilism aspect of their, their profile and what's happening now in their home country. Their instinct is to fight, and especially when attacked. There used to be this expression, everybody thought they could take Mike Tyson, and everybody has a plan until Mike Tyson punches you right in the face. And then guess what? Your plan is gone at that point. Joining us now on the Guy Benson Show on the Newsmaker Hotline is a former United States ambassador and the current 56th two-term governor of the state of New Jersey, my governor, and my friend. And for the Guy Benson Show record, we're real friends. We're not fake friends like you hear about in politics. Governor Murphy and I worked very, very closely together for the past more than two years. That's when we got to know each other at the time of the pandemic. And I don't forget the beginning, and I don't forget the whole process along the way and exactly where we are right now. And, Governor, it's a pleasure and a privilege to present you. Harry, Harry, thank you very much for having me on, and thank you for your gracious words and your friendship. Good to be with you. Good to be with you. Uh, and if we roll back the Wayback Machine, I know we only have about 10 minutes, and we're going to try to cover as much as we can. But two years ago, when we didn't know what was coming next, and we didn't know how long this stuff lived on surfaces, and people were dumping their clothes when they came in the house and leaving packages out for uh, three days before bringing them in, I mean, this had everybody uncertain and yeah. unsteady, and, and things were done the best that we could, and obviously some people agree, some people disagree. Where do you think we are coming all the way from those days to what you're about to do on March 7th? Yeah, I mean, it's a different world. And and, and you're so right. I I still speak to families all the time who have lost loved ones. I just happened over the past couple of days to speak to several families whose loved ones died in April of 2020. And, and you sort of relive what that was like then and all of what you just said, in addition to the fact you couldn't visit a loved one in the hospital, you lost the loved one, then you couldn't give them a proper farewell. And it just feels like it was a different world. Today, happily, Harry, uh, in New Jersey, and I think probably for overwhelmingly the country, we're in a dramatically different and better place. As you rightfully point out, we're, we've announced already that we're lifting the school mask mandate a week from Monday, March 7th. Um, we are clearly on that path, uh, and it's a dramatic, uh, dramatic improvement of pandemic morphing into endemic, meaning it's probably never going to go to zero, but we are fast getting to the point where just like a, the flu, we can live responsibly a, a completely normal life with this thing in our midst. That's where we are headed. We're getting there very quickly, and please, God, it doesn't take any unexpected turn uh, against that progress. Governor Phil Murphy of New Jersey joining us on The Guy Benson Show. Governor Murphy, I think this is such a big moment because children are going to be able to be in school and see each other's faces again. 
this this, this um, wearing coverings for two years, and as we know, a good part of uh, the, the early months, half year or more, uh, you couldn't even go to school. It was all yep. remote learning. And, of course, we lost children for a lot of reasons, socioeconomic. Maybe they didn't have proper uh, Wi-Fi connection uh, or just couldn't adapt. Some adapted very well. Some need that teacher-pupil ratio, as you know, having the teacher in and the student in the classroom. I believe you lifting this mask mandate is such an important decision because children will, again, have the social-emotional component that they've been lacking. I think it's bigger than we can even verbalize. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think you're right. I, I really do. And you had, we had two huge hurdles with kids, and you've, you've gone through them. Number one, they weren't even in school, so you had the remote learning hurdle, which set a lot of kids back, was a huge burden on educators and moms and dads. We had within that, we, we needed to close the digital divide, and I'm proud to say that New Jersey did that. Uh, and then when they got back to school, they've had, you know, they've had their faces covered, which we knew was the right thing to do as a public health matter. But the impact on mental health, on learning loss, on just social, emotional well-being, as you rightfully point out, um, is is really, really significant. And, and God knows we've wanted to take this step, but we just couldn't take it until we felt comfortable that we had the public health side of this covered. And we feel absolutely comfortable taking this step, thank God, at long last. It's the governor of the state of New Jersey, Phil Murphy, on The Guy Benson Show. Governor Murphy, in terms of going, and I really appreciated when you said the pandemic to endemic phase, because then we do live more normally. We do accept that some will get sick. We don't want anyone to get sick, but I think we realize no coronavirus in the history of mankind has ever been cured. So zero, we can never get to zero. I mean, people don't realize that the 1918 flu is still out there and people get it and and we just don't talk about it. It is out there still 102 years ago. So we can't end it, but we've done so much with the vaccines, with the therapeutics and things like that. When do you see everything in terms of operations? Because for everything from motor vehicle to the functions of state government, and there was no manual for this. Nobody had a manual from 1918 that said, hey, Governor Murphy, this is going to happen to you in 100 years. So here's what you do. You know, you have the DMV open on this day. But, you know, so how do you feel about the return to total normal function of all the tentacles of government? I think it's it's within our in almost immediate reach, um, and, and there's a couple of wrinkles to that. Um, and, and by the way, Harry, the places where folks have felt it the most have been in unemployment insurance yes. benefit um, r- r- requests uh, and the Motor Vehicles Commission. Those are the two most impacted uh, agencies of, of, in the state, um, and, and I think the answer is – we're, we're on the cusp of, of that, and I mean literally within days or weeks. There's one other wrinkle, though, that is worth uh, worth just highlighting, and that is taking motor vehicles in particular. We put a lot of what were otherwise physically physical appointments uh, online uh, and successfully. So it wasn't we, we put it online, and the experience was an inferior one. Our folks have put a lot online, and it's a better customer, easier customer experience. 
So my guess is, without going through each one of those uh, elements that are online, a lot of that will remain. So the, the, there will be a new normal, not for any bad reason, in fact, for good reasons, that we've found out more efficient ways due to a crisis to deliver the same service, uh, probably saving the consumer time and maybe even some money. I so could, with that I, yeah, exception. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with that. We yeah. we, we so learned from close. the pandemic some good things. There are some takeaways where we're more efficient. I mean, there's uh, telemedicine. People were adverse to that before. Oh, no, I can't have a, a, a visit on a, on a video screen. I've got to be with the doctor. And many times, as you know, sometimes you went and you went into a waiting room, people sicker than you were, and got sick at, at the doctor's office. So we have telemedicine that will not go away. I agree with you on these other things. I love the skip the trip thing where you don't even have to go in. And you can just for a period of time until I guess you look so different that you have to take a new picture. You can get the license sent. I did it um, not that long ago. I think that's a great thing where you don't even have to do it. Renew your uh, registration and things like that. You've won your second term. Nobody wants to be a one term. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, you you want to win the second term. It's an affirmation that um, the voters elected you and then reelected you. Share in the few minutes that we have, about three minutes, uh, what are some of your goals, objectives for your second term? Yeah, it feels it, it feels awfully good. You're absolutely right. When you run the first time, you're asking folks to trust you, but you, you, don't, you don't have a record yet. When you run the second time it's an aff- and you win, it's an affirmation that say, folks say, you know what, uh, I, like what I, I like what I've seen. I, I want to see more of that. I, you, you've heard the words, Harry, stronger and fairer. We added stronger, fairer forward. Those will continue to be words that guide us. But even more, in, more particularly, we want to make sure that New Jersey is the opportunity state and that everybody in the state, not just some folks, but everybody can get their shot at the American dream at that opportunity. So whether that's going to, I'm going to unveil my budget a week from Tuesday, whether it's historic investment in public education, in workforce development, in access to health care, expanding pre-K, any number of reforms we're doing in the criminal justice system, uh, just making sure that at every turn, opportunity is available in New Jersey, not just for some, but for everybody. Uh, And so that's going to continue to be a huge, huge thrust of ours in the second term. Governor Murphy, a little over a minute left in our time together, and I knew it was going to fly by. I believe that we only have 50 governors. Governors are like presidents of the state. You're the chief executive. I have always said that governors make the best presidents better than a senator running for president because the legislative is just not it's just not the same. You're not running the company. You're not running the country. You're not running the state. You're one of many. You're one of few. Uh, So I ask you uh, an international question. As you know, Russian President Vladimir Putin, in a very aggressive, unprovoked attack, launched a full-scale invasion of Ukraine. Give us your best minute on what what you're feeling about that. I mean, it's an awful moment. Uh, I'm also, as you, you, you referred earlier, I'm a former U.S. ambassador to Germany. This is an awful moment, Harry. Uh, this guy's a thug. He's a bad guy. This is unprovoked. Uh, it has violated uh, all post-World War II norms. Uh, Ukraine gets to decide uh, as a sovereign matter. The Ukrainian people get to decide uh, their borders, not somebody else. Uh, 
uh, in, in many, many lives, if I please God know, but many, many thousands of lives will be lost. As a governor, I looked at, at this as well through the lens of uh, heightened cyber security concerns, uh, heightened gas prices that are already too high, uh, our young men and women who are serving in our armed forces, uh, the very significant Orthodox Ukrainian community whose North American headquarters are in New Jersey. So those are closer to home. But this is a bad, bad chapter in human history. And please, God, as many innocent lives can be saved as possible. Governor Murphy, good to visit with you, my friend. Great to have you be with you, Harry. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Till we meet again, we'll be back in just a moment. Stay with us. Stay close. This is The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan Harry Hurley filling in for Guy, who will be back on Monday. And in this closing mini segment, we begin with this Fox News alert. The Reuters News Service is reporting that the spokesman for Ukraine's president, Vladimir Zelensky, says that Kiev is ready to talk about a ceasefire and peace. This is not confirmed by Fox News. This is a Reuters news service report. And as I share it with you, I know hope is not a strategy, but it is my hope that it is accurate because countless lives would be lost Many lives will be saved. It's not the result that is fair. It's not the result that is just uh, that a very, very bad, despotic dictator can bust through your town with more weaponry, with more air power, uh, with with more soldiers and and believe that he can topple a duly elected government. We should all be rocked to our core. We, we should be just disgusted by this. And to think that Putin is actually going. And remember, just remember where you heard this from, the Guy Benson show. And I'll be very, very anxious to hear Guy's comments on Monday on this point. Remember the last time that Putin put in a puppet regime by the hundreds of thousands In a country of 46 million, hundreds of thousands of people protested and they chased Putin's puppet regime out of Ukraine. And that is how you got Vladimir Zelensky, comedian turned president. But the the end and we said it even in interviews earlier today, the end is not in question. The time of the ending is in question. And this could be, it's terrible, but it could be the best scenario in a, in a bad situation. The best in a bad situation is probably the best way to put it. We'll be back. You are listening to The Guy Benson Show. Stay with us. More. It's 5 o'clock in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson.
Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley, filling in for Guy, who will be back on Monday, ready to go to offer his smart, fast-paced political and cultural insights. Guy, thanks for the opportunity to fill in for the last few days, and I know your audience cannot wait for your return. And Christine and everybody, Wyatt, Dan, thank you for the privilege to work with this incredible team. On the Guy Benson Show, Newsmaker Hotline, this is going to be a very important segment of the Guy Benson Show. This is a national security expert, national security journalism fellow at Clement Center at the University of Texas. On the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline, we welcome Eli Lake. Eli, welcome to Guy's program. How are you? How are you? So much. Th- uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, well, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a, a rough time right now in Europe, but uh, it's 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 so okay. true. And we just shared again. It is not the reporting. It's not been confirmed by the reporting of Fox News, but the Reuters news service is confirming that the spokesman for uh, for Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky is saying that Kiev is ready to talk about a ceasefire and peace. Um, if that's true, I said earlier. Hope I hope it is because lives would be saved. And it, and it just doesn't seem, other than they have such tremendous courage, you have the Klitschko brothers ready to fight. You've got the president ready to fight. You have the president saying, I will show you my face, not my back. Uh, he, you have the president Zelensky saying, you may never see me alive again. I mean, courage off the, the radar screen, you, you just have to give it to them. And, and they have actually, General Jack Keane, who I have a lot of respect for, uh, was not over, overly impressed with Putin day one uh, and felt that the Ukrainians were putting up, you know, a very good fight uh, at, at so many levels. If this news hadn't just come out, I would have started, uh, Eli, at a different point. Would this be an end that it's not satisfactory because Putin has invaded, unprovoked a sovereign nation, a democracy? He's going to get away with unseating that government that was duly elected. I mean, it's anathema to everything that we as Americans believe in. But to save lives with the outcome not in doubt, I'll say in my estimation, if you think differently, if you think Ukraine could win, please speak it. But what do you think of this as a resolution? It really depends on what the terms are. If there are going to be ceasefire talks, uh, that's not the same as sort of an, an appeasement agreement. But, you know, the Russian foreign minister, I think, today said that their, the goal of Russia's military operation was to replace the puppet government, by the way, an elected government, right. with uh, and restore the sovereignty of the year. I mean, that's just code word for a regime change. And so if that is the goal of Russia, then there's really nothing to talk about. Also, we know uh, from not just past experience over several years. We know from the last week that Vladimir Putin likes to pretend he is willing to negotiate when he has no intention of doing That's so. That's true. That's and true. He humiliated Macron. So I don't believe anything that the Russians say at this point. And I also think that, um, you know, any diplomacy with Russia at this point really takes away from what has to be the goal of the civilized world, the free world, which is to isolate and undermine and thwart uh, Russia at every turn. Um, Eli, let I me mean, bring Eli. Let me bring the question yeah. back into play because I was very careful yeah. not to say ceasefire and surrender. And this isn't yeah. Putin. Putin also said 
he faked again, you know, and, and look, every word he says is a lie. He's he's telling uh, Zelensky, Absolutely. who is Jewish, that he's a Nazi. He's saying that that Ukraine is committing genocide, that Ukraine needs to decommunize, that Ukraine needs to demilitarize. I mean, he's he's talking absolute just opposite, you know, stuff. But this was the spokesman for Zelensky saying that they are ready to talk about ceasefire and peace. Do you think Russia? Well, go ahead. If they're ready for. okay. so first of all. The speech that Zelensky gave on the eve of the invasion was, please don't do this. So I think that there has always been a consistent message from the Ukrainians that uh, we don't want to be invaded and we'd like you to stop. But again, like, I just don't know that there's anything that would suggest that the Russians are really interested in this. And I admire the fact that the message that I took away from the last couple of days is that Zelensky is remaining in Kiev which is very, very different than yeah. the Afghan president who fled. True. And uh, I, was, I was really I inspired to see the former president, Petr Poroshenko, you know, give an interview with a rifle in his hand saying he's willing to defend the capital of his country. That, to me, uh, confirms, even though the Russian army is much more uh, lethal and deadly and larger than the Ukrainian army, but the Ukrainian people have a will to fight. Yeah. And it's bolstered to see their leaders uh, you know, risking grave danger to do so. I love so, hey, Eli, Eli. I, I love what you just said. I'm going to double down yeah. with you. I love it. Um, I'm going to ask you later if you think Ukraine could win. But right now, I want to just ask you. We sort of have passed this prologue here because Putin put a puppet regime in, and hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians pushed that government out. Uh, so we've seen this before where Putin has been able to put a puppet regime in. What would make this different? The Ukrainians, well, if, if I they – go I, ahead. Wait, you're, talking about, you're talking about Viktor Yanukovych, and it's a yes. slightly different. What well, Viktor explain. Yanukovych did – he campaigned in the election that he won, and he kind of changed his image with the help of a guy named Paul Manafort to uh-huh. say that he favored Ukraine joining the EU. And right on the eve of – the accession agreement between Ukraine and the European Union, the directive came from the Kremlin, from Vladimir Putin, saying, nope, you have to reject this and join kind of a Russian equivalent of that and their, their economic term influence. And, and Yanukovych, to his great shame, uh, went along with that. And then there were uprising and a kind of pro, a massive protest in the Maidan Square movement he fired on those protesters, and the Ukrainian parliament removed him by unanimous vote. That's, the, that's what happened. So originally, he wasn't necessarily a Russian puppet. What Putin tried to do is turn him into that Russian puppet, and the Ukrainian people rejected it. Excellent. And, uh, you know, so, so, so in, in that respect, but you're right. This is what Putin wants to do. He wants pliant tyrants on, in his near abroad so he can basically, you know, reconstitute what he considers to be the Russian Empire from the Romanov dynasty. And that's what he's going for right now in Ukraine. And, um, you know, if, if that is still what his aim is, as he has now made clear, he has now said that explicitly, uh, which he wasn't saying like a month ago, then there's nothing to talk about. And if there's if there's an interest in a tactical ceasefire um, and 
I mean, I would, you know, I, I don't want to see blood spilled either, you yeah. know, or innocents being killed either. No one does. And, you know, I, you leave that to the Ukrainians at this point. But I mean, the other message that you're getting from Zelensky is he is imploring Europe and America to actually be, you know, cut off Russia's financial system from the SWIFT system that would make uh, that would make it impossible to do these kind of wire transfers and things that are necessary for modern uh, commerce. He's calling for as much arms and help and other Europeans who are horrified, who have military experience to come and volunteer and fight. So I, I'm, I'm getting a, the, the, a lot of message from Zelensky and his people that, that they're going to try to defend their country as much as they can, and that's very inspiring. I don't know if they can win, but, uh, you know, it should inspire all of us at this point. You are listening to Eli Lake on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline, and, and you covered that, that question that I was going to pose do well, you if I may see, add, there's do, something that I, I would like to see Biden to do do right now, which he's please. not done. Go. When when we had a similar situation when Russia launched an aggressive war against Georgia in 2008 after the Summer Olympics, and what the Bush administration did is it didn't send troops to fight alongside Georgia, but they did send with in through military aircraft humanitarian aid to the Georgians, but very conspicuously like painted American flags so that. American planes were in the middle of Tbilisi, and that actually had a kind of tripwire deterrent effect. And if you remember, the, the, the Russian offensive ended up stopping, you know, more or less. I mean, there was fighting in Tbilisi, but they did not end up taking territory that the capital. They ended up, you know, taking South Ossetia and Abkhazia. And something like that, a show of like a kind of airlift of sorts, that that's something the United States can do and say, this is not us fighting with the Ukrainians, but it is us supplying humanitarian, you know, for the hospitals that you bombed and things like that. And I think that that would, that Putin understands that if he gets too close and he does more bombing and so forth, and he hits an American, then he's going to escalate the conflict probably in ways that he doesn't want to. And that kind of boldness and brinksmanship would be useful right now um, to sort of show that it's more than just words and, you know, other stuff like, you know, from and, and, and sanctions and that, you know, we, we, we want Ukraine to win and we want to we want to give them this humanitarian aid. And and don't you dare think about, you know, hitting us because then you'll have a different fight on your hands. Yeah, very, very solid analysis. You're listening to Eli Lake on The Guy Benson Show. So before you say you don't know if Ukraine can win, can you envision a scenario where they actually could defeat Russia? Um, I don't see a scenario where they could defeat in terms of like military or military, but I do see a situation where the Russians uh, become bogged down in a kind of quagmire and there's a successful Ukrainian insurgency just because so many Ukrainians, even Russian-speaking Ukrainians, do not want to live under the boot of Vladimir Putin. What do you think of the response, the American response? Many are saying too little, too late, not impressed, uh, polling that Fox News has done, very poor uh, numbers for President Biden overall as a president, but also specifically on the topic of Russia, Ukraine, very, very poorly uh, thought of at the moment in like the 36 percentile approval. Very, very bad uh, in terms of the response. And and for those who don't remember, there were promises made. I understand they're not a member of NATO and there's a big dust up. President actually George W. Bush gave a push there for a bit wanted uh, Ukraine to be admitted into NATO. And of course, as you know, and I believe most of Guy's listeners know, if you're in NATO, 
then it's one attacked, we're all attacked, and you'd have to defend. Did did the world step up enough? I mean, Ukraine could have been a nuclear power. They gave up their nuclear uh, capabilities with promises that were made. Obviously, one of them was that Russia would never attack them. That that is not that's unserious, uh, but it was one of them. And also, I mean, in 2014, we sent blankets. Uh, did we step up enough? I know, I don't, and I'm not saying boots on the ground, American soldiers, but did the world step up enough for Ukraine, or did we leave them out there to hang a bit? Uh, I think that, that that question is answered by the events of this week, which is to say that I have detected in um, particularly kind of like, you know, democratic, like, you know, liberal bubble, this argument that, like, you know, wow, he declassified all this intelligence and, you know, these sanctions and, and Europe is galvanized and the, and the alliance is together and, like, this is so terrific. And I'm like, guys, don't pat yourself on, a back, on the back here. This is uh, – it's not about a blame game. It's not to say, oh, well, you know, he only invades Ukraine when they're Democratic president. It's the, the mission to deter Putin, which is what Biden was trying to do, failed. Now, it doesn't mean that – all the things that these tactical things that Biden did were wrong. It just means that it wasn't enough. And the uh, the point here is not to score a political point because this is a a national security crisis. It's rather to sort of say we have to be honest with ourselves. Whatever we what we did was not enough. It would have been better to have deterred Putin and we didn't. And it does. And I think that that to answer that question of why we failed uh, is not a simple partisan question of like, well, Trump was strong and Biden's weak and that's why it happened. I think we failed because in 2014, as you point out, the response was tepid. Terrible. There were sanctions, but we continued to work with the Iranians on the Iran nuclear deal. There was not a sense that, that Biden had crossed the line and there wasn't any going back. And what needs to happen now in order to stop this uh, aggressor is that Putin needs to understand that there are no more resets. There are no more diplomatic off-ramps. He has chosen a path for his country. As long as he remains in power, he will be a pariah, and we will then take the steps in the West to make ourselves resilient and to shield us off from the poison that is Putin's Russia. Eli, we have to go, and I regret uttering those words, but we have to. Uh, I really enjoyed our discussion. Very, very good analysis. Me too. I, thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, thank you're you so much you're, for having me. It's a pleasure. You are solid. Eli Lake. Um, Christine told me uh, what a great guest, and uh, I've, I've known of Eli. Terrific. Uh, much more content when we come back in just a moment. This is The Guy Benson Show. Guy Benson will be right back. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan Harry Hurley filling in. Guy will be back on Monday. Well, 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 how to put this best? Self-absorption, self-indulgent, elitist, snobbery. When you think about people dying in Ukraine, completely unprovoked, sovereign, democratic, democracy, a sovereign nation, ally, American ally, good ally, great ally. And then you hear someone like Joy Behar. I almost regret 
bringing up Joy Behar on the Guy Benson show because Guy Benson is an elegant man. Uh, this this show that used to be watchable in the days of Barbara Walters and Elizabeth ha- Elizabeth Hasselback and uh, Lisa Ling, um, for, uh, Meredith Vieira. I mean, the show was watchable. That show is completely unwatchable. And here's a pretty good reason why. As as war is raging against an American ally, this is where Joy Behar's priorities are. Dan, my good friend, cut 31. Estimates are 50,000 Ukrainians will be dead or wounded. Yeah. And that this is going to start a humanitarian crisis, a refugee crisis in Europe. We're talking yeah. about 5 million people yeah. that, that are going to be displaced. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking to hear what is going to happen. Yeah. Well, I'm scared of what's going to happen in, in Western Europe, too. Yeah. yeah. You know, you just you plan a trip. You want to go there. I want to go to Italy for four years. I haven't been able to make it because of of uh, the pandemic. And now this, you know, it's, yeah. it's like who's going to what's going to happen there? Yeah. Yeah. Can we say together? Wow. Who who says something like that? The pandemic kept her from Italy. The war is inconvenient and keeping her from Italy. Every time you think the other side has reached the bottom, they just keep digging. To, look, you could say everybody just slips up. It was inarticulate. I didn't really mean it that way. I haven't heard any clarification on that or anything. I, I would have cleaned that up if I was Joy Behar's life coach. I would have said, look, you know, put out some kind of tweet that, that you weren't being self-absorbed. You weren't being self-indulgent. That's not what your intention was at all. Uh, because it sure came out that way. But this is um, this is how they think. It's, it's a window uh, into their mode of operation. When we come back, United States Congressman Pat Fallon from the great state of Texas on The Guy Benson Show. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan. Harry Hurley filling in today. Guy We'll be back on Monday. We're going to take you to your weekend, and we wish you a great weekend, weekend of peace and prosperity. Uh, we have a great guest standing by right now on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline, and I see this issue of Russia, Ukraine, exactly. Boy, you, you, you're going to be pleased. We're, we, we were separated at birth, Congressman, and I just didn't know it. You're going to figure it out in the next couple of minutes with me. Congressman Pat Fallon from the great state of Texas, from the 4th Congressional District, serves on the House Armed Services Committee. You can reach him at Rep. Pat Fallon, F-A-L-L-O-N. Joins us on The Guy Benson Show. We're going to talk about President Biden. We're going to talk about the response. Too little, too late if, if the congressman agrees. And a lot of things that also we've been connecting the dots all week on the Guy Benson show that we've been together for the last three days. And it's so apparent to me. I, I First of all, welcome, Congressman. Happy you're here. Harry, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. We appreciate you, and I, I love your view because your view is my view. This is, for me, a math equation. If you take, if you take a dispassionate look at this, everybody in the Guy Benson show universe 
Take out Republican or Democrat or independent, unaffiliated or any of this tribal stuff that's going on in this 50-50 divided nation. And you just say, when does Putin get provocative? When does he attack Ukraine? And when doesn't he attack Ukraine? Full disclosure, so you know, President Trump hired me 30 years ago at a great two and a half year run as a vice president for him and left to get into this amazing business that I've been so blessed to do for the past 30 years, talk radio, which I love. Only reason I left, and we've been friends ever since. I say that as full disclosure for you and also for guys' audience. Says, oh, he's just, you know, he used to work for Trump. He likes Trump. They're friends. Uh, I tell the truth, and, and the truth backs me up on this one because the truth is self-evident. Putin did not even think about attacking Ukraine between the years 2017 and January 20th of 2021, did he, Congressman? You know what, Harry? The truth shall set you free. So let's look at this empirically. In 2008, Putin decided to attack Georgia and steal two provinces from that country. And that was under George W. Bush. And then in 2014, he stole the Crimea from the Ukraine. And then he went radio silent for four years, from 2017 to 2021, he didn't even rattle a saber. Now, why? What's, what's the variable here? President Donald Trump, who, according to the left and the mainstream media, sorry to be redundant there, yeah. had <laughs> Putin had Trump in his pocket. That's what they said. But you know what? The truth was Putin feared Trump because he projected strength, Amer- an America first attitude, and he would take no gruff. Ask Soleimani. Yeah. Ask al-Qaeda in Iraq. He wiped them out. So well said and so accurate. And again, anybody that hates President Trump, that you just don't want to hear the truth. I mean, the truth is the truth on this. Putin did what he did in 2008, as you say. He did what he did in 2014, as you recently wrote about. Uh, And I saw you on a recent appearance where you were talking about this. He attacks Ukraine. He annexes Crimea. Nothing happens. The the sanctions were ridiculous. What did we do? Obama Biden sent blankets. Thank you very much for the blankets. Incredible times. Year 17 through 21, no problem. Months after President Trump leaves, look where we are. Another, and this one, I mean, Congressman, what is your assessment? I mean, you serve on such a consequential committee relative to military affairs. What is your assessment, and I know your objective, What is your assessment about what we did in advance of this? It seems to me, and I know it's easy and it sounds cheap to just say too little, too late, but it really was, wasn't it? Yeah, and, you know, I'm not bashing Biden to bash Biden. I'm not bashing because he's a Democrat. If he does something that I like, I'll say so, and I'll I'll tip my cap. Uh, One quick thing, too, a side note. The last year of the Trump administration, the Chinese flew about 330 sorties into the Taiwanese defense zone. And they do that for a reason. They want to test the capability of the Taiwanese. They want to exhaust their pilots and their aircraft, quite frankly. And uh, the first year of the Biden Biden administration, a thousand sorties. Tell me they're not testing Joe Biden. Tell me they're not testing his resolve and his will because they tripled it. So what the mistakes that were made, I signed on to a letter back in October, ranking member Rogers and Inhofe led the letter. And we urged Mr. Biden to send lethal aid, you know, javelins, harpoons, 
I mean, some of the, the our latest technology, take out tanks, take out submarine, uh, rather ships, surface ships, and air and surface to air missiles. He delayed inexplicably for weeks, a couple of months. I don't know why. He should have outlined specific and explicit sanctions that Putin would face if he crossed into the Ukraine. And now we'll never know if they would have acted as a deterrent because he didn't do it. And then, of course, strategically, he canceling the he canceled the Keystone Pipeline there when he go. first came into office. He halted leases on energy exploration on federal lands and offshore. And he never even appointed an ambassador to the Ukraine, one of the most important countries in the world. There's not an American ambassador there. Never you, was under yeah. Biden. You raise I, I was just going to go to the energy sector because, as you know, when President Trump left, America was energy independent and a net oil exporter. This would not be that big a deal. Uh, what's going on with Russia, Ukraine from that portion? I mean, we know that Russia provides, what, 35 percent of all natural gas to Europe. Uh, and we, we are now relying on Russia and OPEC people who do not like us and begging them to be generous and open up the spigot. And they, they were at their mercy. And as you say, President Biden killed the Keystone XL pipeline. He he did all the things you mentioned on federal lands. He's made it tough in other areas where actually people in that business who's who's actually going to even consider uh, expanding oil refinery capacity when you have an administration that is openly adverse to your very existence. uh, But for some reason, doesn't mind buying it if you're trying to protect the climate and climate change. Does it matter if it's your own or if you're so what is this cleaner Coming from Russia and these different places, buy it from Alaska, buy it from Texas. I mean, what are we doing here? It's, it's, it's madness. And, oh, by the way, and I know you know this, Congressman, he gave Putin two pipelines while he took ours away. Yes, yes. Harry, he greenlights the Nordstrom too. Yep. And he cancels our own hamstrings. Yep. She made a very good point. If you're an environmentalist, let's look at this again objectively. It is better for the environment of our planet to have the United States of America extracting natural gas and oil from the earth. Yes. Why? Because we have an expertise that has been developed over a century. We have an independent judiciary. We're a rule of law nation. We have a strong environmental lobby. We do it cleaner. We have reduced emissions more than any other country over the last 20 years. You know who cuts corners? Iran, totalitarian regimes, authoritarian regimes, Russia, Venezuela. Would you trust a Venezuelan company to drill offshore, or would you trust an American company? Because we have consequences, and they really don't. And so I, I think that that argument that the left makes is absurd. And furthermore, our, our, our friend across the aisle, and I say that in quotes, hmm. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez sits on the oversight committee with me, and they vilify the energy producers in this country. She actually said, and I quote, you all are – Setting on the, the, setting on fire the future that I have to live in, because you know she's younger than most members of Congress, and uh, she made these hyperbolic claims. Yet she's getting on aircraft, she drives a car, I'm sure, or she is a passenger in an Uber. So they bite the hand that feeds them. I'm tired of it. It's hypocrisy it, at its yeah. finest. It, it really is. I mean, it's like John Kerry, this guy talking about we we have this incredibly uh, challenging situation, and John Kerry is talking about. Uh, oh, I'm just concerned this is going to affect climate change. That's so ridiculous. That That, that is just crazy talk. Harry, Adam, Adam Schiff, 
I on know. television, was asked, I know. do you think that, you know, considering considering the crisis that we have now in the Ukraine, that the, um, that our country should increase our energy production? And his answer was something to the effect of, well, we have a climate change protection policy, and we don't want to upset that balance. Yeah, I, 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 we, we are we, living in yeah. a fantasy world. Yeah, it truly is. Our, our own Maria Donovan shared that with us, and we were able to report on that yesterday. He had it in his first sentence. Kerry ended it. I mean, this is like the most important thing to them. While while the world's on fire, this is where their mind goes. It's it's very misplaced priorities. It's scary, and it shows you how woke is broke. I mean, it is really, really ridiculous. We are visiting. Uh, I'm so happy to have this opportunity to visit on the Guy Benson Show with Congressman Pat Fallon of Texas. I have to bring this up because it's going to be here before we know it. There's going to be a great course correction the American people, I, I have no doubt, will do it because even in good times, uh, the president's party is going to lose about 25, 28 seats. It's like almost clockwork. Uh, the the dour mood in America right now, this has the makings of something like Obama's first midterm. I don't know if it's going to go in the 60s, but I know it's going to go way beyond five, and that's all you need. So are you prepared? Are you ready? Because taking back the majority – the American people are going to have great expectations. Your thoughts about that? Yes, I've done about, uh, Harry, 30 in-person town halls. And at every town hall, somebody asks, we, we've been in charge before with the White House in both chambers, and we don't perform, we don't produce. And when the Democrats go in there, look at what they've done. And I completely agree. And I've talked to Kevin McCarthy about this and Steve Scalise. And, and, and I really do believe what they're saying to us, which is, you know, I told them, our folks are telling us we can't have John Boehner 2.0. We can't have Paul Ryan 3.0. Yeah. We have to paint with bold colors and not soft pastels. The left and the media and Hollywood and the universities and the elites, they're never going to like us. So why are we trying to be Democrat light? Let's be bold and let's paint a picture and a vision for the American people that projecting strength, becoming energy independent, securing the border, limiting government, growing the economy, increasing prosperity in this country and opportunity, that's the best foot and way forward. And, and Congressman, what I really I know you're doing it as a collective, as a team, and I think it's really smart. At least I hope you're doing it. I think you're doing it. I know I interviewed uh, former Governor Senator Scott of Florida. and know they're doing it. I think it's so smart what Newt Gingrich did in 1994. And I interviewed him many, many times at the time uh, it was going on. When you tell the American people that this is what we will do. Honor us. Trust us with your vote. We know you get lied to all the time and promises are made and there's no intention to keep them. We'll look at the president. The president is he is governing so incredibly hard left. It's 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 psychedelic. It's crazy. Uh, and he certainly didn't campaign that way. He kept saying, I'm a moderate. I'm a moderate. Well, if this is moderation. You know, who, who are we kidding? Ooh. But telling the American people what you're going to do. And then, of course, Congressman Fallon actually doing it, it's going to be huge. Yeah, and, and that's, Harry, exactly what we're working on at the conference. We're going to delineate and outline exactly what we're going to do, much like the contract with America. It will be, it'll have a different name, but it's going to be essentially like that. Yeah. And whether it's 10 things, 8 things, 15 things, and we're going to give ourselves more than 100 days to do it. And, and then if we go and perform and we do it, we pass it out of the House, that, that'll also put pressure if we do get the Senate back, which I hope we do, on Mitch McConnell and the Republicans in the Senate to then pass what we hand them and then dare Biden 
to veto it. And we'll take the White House in 24. This yes, I, I love it. it is a, that's right. It is a two-step. It is winning yeah. back Congress in 2022 in just whatever it is, 10 months or less, and then winning in 2024. Because obviously President Biden can block certain things that will be approved. In the final 30 seconds, a Fox News update has just come out minutes ago. President Zelensky. President Zelensky of Ukraine warning that Russia will storm Kiev tonight. The White House will sanction Putin. This is, I mean, they just keep talking about sanctioning Putin. He was asked, the president was asked two, three times yesterday, why won't you sanction Putin now? The U.K. sanctioned Putin. Mm -hmm. So quick closing comment, and I regret we have to say goodbye. No, thanks, Harry. Vladimir Putin is committing murder, and Joe Biden is slapping him on the wrist. And he commits more murders, and he gets another slap on the wrist. You think he's going to stop killing? No. We have to be much stronger. We can't relent. We can't blink. The, you know, freedom and liberty is at stake here, and I don't think his appetite will be satiated if he gets to Ukraine. We have to stop him here. The line in the stand has to be drawn, and it has to be drawn now. Texas, United States, Congressman Pat Fallon, it was a real pleasure to meet you today, sir. Thank you. Harry, uh, my honor is all mine. God bless you. Same to you, sir. Please succeed. And when you succeed, we all succeed. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no better way to close out the Guy Benson Show and this Guy Benson Show week than with executive producer Christine Bragg. Next, this is the Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk, Guy Benson Show. Welcome back. It is the Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley with Christine Wyatt and Dan. What an honor to be here for the past three days, and what a great way to end the broadcast week on The Guy Benson Show than with executive producer Christine. Christine, we made it to the finish line. Oh, we made it, and boy, do we all deserve, as Guy would say, a glass of mama's juice tonight. I mean, Christine, this, this is an eventful week during such a heightened moment in world history. It's unbelievable what is unfolding, what we're covering, what Fox News on TV is covering. Um, I, I'm, I'm just praying, praying for the people of Ukraine, praying for the people of Russia and for Putin to, to stop and please, let's just have some peace. Yeah. These people do not deserve it. These, there's children. Yep. I mean, I can't. With that video of that father saying goodbye to that daughter, yeah, I th- I have a daughter the same age. I think about that over and over in my head. It keeps me up. Yeah, and as he's saying goodbye, he's thinking he's never going to see her again, and he's gone forever. And it is, and the woman that we played the audio today, uh, that I mean, that puts in perfect context exactly what's at stake here and you imagine people fleeing their homes running to poland going anywhere they can to avoid being killed Uh, i also want to thank you as a broadcaster uh you your team you're so professional incredibly well prepared i love working with you and your incredible team and the guest lineup that you put together this week in general and the three days i can speak to that i've been here uh the last three which coincide with the war Uh, You put a remarkable, uh, listenable three days worth of extraordinary guests, and and I believe that you gave the Guy Benson audience incredible context and and wonderful guests. 
well, thank you, Harry. And Harry, you were just unbelievable these past three days. I can't thank you enough. And I have to, as you said, thank our team. Wyatt is just amazing. That's why he's the favorite. We always say that. He's we awesome. know why it's the favorite. And Dan has just been unbelievable with the sound and turning everything around. I'm really, really proud of our team. And days like we've had this past three days makes me really fa- proud to be part of Fox News. I mean, you should be. This is a world-class team. And every time I've worked with you, the preparation is there, the professionalism. Uh, Christine, you know, with less than 30 seconds, I have to say goodbye. It's time to say uh, Oh. Until next time. Harry, can you do me a favor? Could you tell Guy I'm professional? I don't think he believes it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll send him a text message and an email. Uh, On behalf of Christine, Wyatt, and Dan, I'm Harry Hurley. In for Guy Benson, who will be back on Monday. Have a great weekend. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.